There is a lot of darkness in the, the populist voices, the intolerance that we're seeing. But I think it's important to try to disentangle the dark intolerant strands of populism from the legitimate grievances that underlie it. This is R.J. McGill from the American Academy in Berlin, and you're listening to Beyond the Lecture. Political philosopher Michael Sandel has been writing about liberal democracy since his first book, Liberalism and the Limits of Justice, published in 1982. Since then, he's gone on to author five more books about the challenges of democracy, free market economies, living a moral life, and most famously his 2009 book Justice, which is based on his popular Harvard University course, which has been made available online and been viewed by tens of millions of people. Sandel was at the American Academy last spring to deliver the 2018 Airbus lecture, Populism, Trump, and the Future of Democracy. We sat down with him to gauge his thoughts on where democracy was headed, what he thought was missing from public discourse, and what has been happening in the United States over the past few decades that gave rise to populist nationalism. I think over the past few decades, we've seen two tendencies that have contributed to the populist backlash. One is the uncritical embrace of a certain kind of market faith, faith in a market-driven globalization. The idea that markets and market mechanisms can define the public good. Uh, related to that is a hollowness in the terms of public discourse. Uh, a hesitation, even a refusal to by politicians and political parties to engage in public debate about big questions that people care about, including questions about values and ethics, what makes for a just society, what should we do about rising inequality, what do we owe one another as citizens. I think people want politics to be about big things. And when there's a, a moral vacuum in public discourse, Sooner or later, it's filled with narrow and tolerant voices, whether of strident nationalism or of fundamentalism. Of course, the Democratic Party was unable to win over the imaginations of at least some of the voters that went for Donald Trump, and much of the commentary explaining why circled around anti-immigration, racism, and anti-globalism. We asked Sandel what he thought of this caricaturization. There's a tendency to view the strident nationalism of the populist backlash is simply a, a racist reflex to immigration or to free trade agreements. There is a lot of darkness in the, the populist voices, the intolerance that we're seeing. But I think it's important to try to disentangle the dark intolerant strands of populism from the legitimate grievances that underlie it after all, in recent decades, the benefits of globalization have flowed mainly to those at the top. And ordinary working people have seen stagnant wages. There's been a deepening inequality. And while we were told that the benefits of globalization can, in principle, be redistributed to help everyone, that simply hasn't happened. But I think there's more to it simply than uh, widening inequality. Part of the populist anger flows from a sense that 
Elites look down upon them. And I think this sense is not entirely wrong. Elites, those who succeed, tend to inhale too deeply of their own success, to believe it's their own doing, rather than to consider the, the role of luck and fate and fortune and having landed where they did. And, and that a keener awareness of the contingency uh, that leads to success might also contribute to a, to a greater sense of solidarity and mutual obligation among citizens. That's a sound observation. But Germany has a stronger sense of solidarity owing to manifold social programs. And nevertheless, the AFD, the Alternative for Deutschland, and other right-wing conservative movements are on the rise across Germany and across Europe. Why? It's true there are stronger traditions of solidarity in Germany and much of Europe than in the United States. And yet there is a similar kind of populist anger and frustration. I think part of it has to do with the wave of refugees and, and the whole issue of immigration. Um, the US has struggled also um, with the issue of immigration. But the US traditionally has understood itself, at least, as being a multicultural immigrant society, even though we sometimes forget this and don't live up to it. I think European countries have become, in recent decades, de facto multicultural societies, but without an ethic or a tradition or a self-understanding that celebrates that multicultural character. It doesn't just happen. It has to be built deliberately through civic education, through public discourse. I think that's one of the, and, and the need for this, I think, is sharpened by the rise of populism and the anger that's, that's been created over um, the acceptance of refugees and the issue of immigration. Michael Sandel has long been concerned with the quality of public discourse promoting the idea that in order for democracy to flourish, we must talk about values and morality. But in a political culture based on winning approval, taking a moral hardline is not always a popular view. Still, avoiding talk of morality, he says, is a mistake. I think that we've seen, especially in recent decades, um, in the U.S. and in the, the democracies of Europe, a hesitation to engage with hard ethical questions in public debate. This is partly because politicians are almost allergic to, to controversy. They want to avoid it wherever possible. But I think there's a deeper reason. I think there's a tendency to think that bringing moral and ethical questions into political debate runs the risk of disagreement maybe even of the majority imposing its values on the minority. There's a sense, rightly, that in pluralist societies, we disagree about competing conceptions of the good life. And so there's the tendency to try to empty public spaces and public discourse of controversial moral conceptions. It's intended to create a tolerant society where people don't clash, where we don't descend into wars of religion. But it's a mistake because I think it rests on a shallow idea of toleration. It rests on the idea that we create a tolerant society by avoiding one another, by avoiding our disagreements. I think a better 
richer way to a pluralist, genuinely tolerant society is not to, not to avoid, but to engage with the different moral and even spiritual convictions that citizens care about. Sooner or later, the, a, a moral vacuum in public discourse will be filled. And what we've seen recently is it's been filled by strident nationalism and, in some cases, fundamentalism. To some extent, invigorating public discourse with competing moral meanings is the responsibility of uh, politicians and political parties at the national level. But I think a lot of this has to take place within civil society through um, institutions such as schools, universities, the media. I think the media has a big responsibility to create more hospitable forums for meaningful debate. The hope is that politicians will take notice and will appreciate the need to uh, invigorate their own public discourse. Was there a time in American life when debates of the sort Sandel is describing were more prevalent, more robust than they are now? I don't think there was a golden age we can point to when public discourse was morally enriched in the way I think it needs to be. On the other hand, I think the present moment is uh, we're experiencing and have seen in the last few decades a hollowing out of public discourse. I think that the best examples come not from golden ages, but from moments, glimmers, intimations of a richer kind of public discourse. One example in, in the US was the, the civil rights movement of the late 1950s and early 60s. Or the debate over the Vietnam War, when moral argument, in that case about just and unjust wars, um, loomed large in public debate. I do think it's fair to say that the, the, kind of, the terms of public discourse in the last few decades uh, have been unusually arid and empty with regard to big moral questions. And I think this has to do with the, was the faith that markets and globalization would deliver the public good. And I, I think we're, we're now uh, experiencing the, the dangers of that kind of hollowed out public discourse. Finally, we asked Sandel if he was optimistic that democratic politicians would be able to reinvigorate the body politic with more expansive stories of identity and belonging. So far, the opposition to Trump in the US, including the Democratic Party, has not been very successful in articulating an alternative political vision. Uh, and I haven't heard much in the way of attempts to articulate a case for pluralistic political identities. It's true that Democrats in the US condemn Trump and his intolerance. But what they haven't done is ask themselves hard questions about why so many people don't find their alternative attractive. So I think the hope for American politics depends on whether the Democratic Party, or for that matter, groups within civil society, local communities, can begin to articulate patriotism, a sense of belonging, rooted identities, but in ways that gesture outward toward a more generous embrace of, of the world and a more generous ethic 
of mutual responsibility among citizens. That was Michael Sandel, a political philosopher at Harvard University and the Airbus Distinguished Visitor at the American Academy in spring 2018. You can read Sandel's essay, Revitalizing Public Discourse, in the most recent issue of the Berlin Journal on our website, americanacademy.de. There, you can also register for upcoming events, watch videos of past lectures, and listen to episodes of our Beyond the Lecture podcast. You can also keep up with the American Academy on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Vimeo. Beyond the Lecture is a production of the American Academy in Berlin. This episode was produced by William Glucroft. I'm your host, R.J. McGill. Thanks for listening.